Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, an evolved perspective on life with dogs. But it's all I love that song, Eric. That is the Traveling Wilburys end of the line. Mm. They're hard to find these days. I mean, not well, I mean online. <laughs> literally, <laughs> and, yeah. and their music seems to yeah. be a little bit harder to find as well. Yeah. <sighs> I just love hearing that song every time it comes on before the show. It's a catchy tune, and you know, when you first came up with that as the theme song, I said, I thought to myself, I didn't say this, but I thought to myself, what does this have to do with dogs? And, but just over time, it just seemed so perfectly blended with everything that we talk about. You know, living the life that you please, I think. Uh, riding around in the breeze. Riding around Can't in the breeze. Can't you just picture the Absolutely. dog uh-huh. riding around, not with his or her head out the window, of course, because we know that's dangerous, <laughs> but just kind of, you know, chilling like a dog, enjoying life, kind of easing up a little bit. Yeah. Well, uh we have an, one of my favorite guests today over the years, Dr. Donna Kelleher, is with us. Dr. Donna, welcome back to The Dog Show. Thanks so much for having me again, Julie. This is episode number 360, so I guess we're just back wow. where we started, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Everything goes back in a circle. That's right. So how cool is that? Um, happy to have you here with us again um, today, and we're going to cover a lot of ground. Uh, always appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and share your perspective and knowledge with my audience. Um, hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, if you'd like to find, or we'll be talking more specifically about your website and some exciting changes that have happened um, more towards the end of the show today. Uh, you can find Dr. Donna online at wholepetvet.com, and that's whole. W-H-O-L-E, PetVet.com, loaded with a bunch of excellent information. So that's where you can find Dr. Donna Kelleher online. And she's the author of a number of books. One of them, I love the title, is called The Proof is in the Poodle, and uh, talking about health and wellness in pets. And we've talked about a lot of, uh, a lot of different topics over the years. And I wanted to have you back on the show. First of all, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 2016 is going to be a great year. I agree. I agree. It f- I uh, was startled yesterday t- to uh, be re- reminded that it was yesterday was the 19th of January, and I was still thinking it was like the 9th. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, me too. It's, I can't believe it's already been three weeks. <laughs> I know. Um, so, you know, one of the things that first came to mind, and I have a lot of Uh, topics to cover, a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, But this, in recently, um, I've been seeing all of this, (gasps) these posts, especially on social media, about canine influenza, and it's Mm -hmm. coming to Washington State, and ah, you know, and it's like, "Mm, okay, and I can't remember if there was a vaccine attached to that conversation or not. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I can talk to you about that if you want to. I don't know how. Yeah, just let me know which which aspect of the flu you want to well, talk about, but it sure has gotten to be, you know, kind of the new bugaboo. Well, no, right, no pun intended. So, well, what is the what does that mean? So it's come to Washington State. I mean, this <laughs> well, happens with people too, right? So it's like, yeah. oh, 
I know. What's your perspective on this? Well, I mean, I think the things that are sort of an epidemic portion in dogs Mm -hmm. are the things that you're not going to read about on the media. It's the chronic, slow, debilitating, immune-mediated issues, you know, like skin allergies are just, I mean, it's just a huge issue. And that's, uh, I guess maybe it is because it's harder to pinpoint the cause. You know, when you talk about the flu, of course, everybody's looking at that causative organism, so it sort of fits within what works well for media propagation, Mm. I guess, and also for um, fear propagation, and also for um, and also for just Western medicine. We love causative organisms. We're always looking for them. So when the immune system's not acting appropriately, it's a lot easy, it's a lot harder to sort of pinpoint. Um, but yet I think that's a much more profound issue. And, of course, that relates to over-vaccination. Um, yeah, there, so basically it's true, though. There's um, two dogs, <laughs> two dogs. I could, there's like thousands of dogs that have immune-mediated disease, but these two dogs tested positive. Uh, for the H3, I think it's the H3N2, but right now they're trying to, it's very difficult to distinguish between the H3N8 and the H3N2, but they look like they're new serovars, um, so we're still not 100% sure about how, you know, dangerous they will be in the long run, but if history is any guide, it's probably going to be blown up in the media and then, you know, die back down. But we should take some precautions, and I can talk to you about that. Mm -hmm. There was a kennel in um, Kent, I believe, where uh, there was exposure to uh, some dogs in Georgia. And of course, this has been a big issue in the kennels back east. There has been kennels that have have lost dogs, definitely, to flu. Mm -hmm. So this new serovar does seem to be, it's very contagious, um, and yet it's minimally um, dangerous in terms of life-threatening. But I guess the real issue for me is we are, because really all the outbreaks have been in kennels. That is to say, cage situations with dogs, very stressed. They're all tight in together. And um, I guess I always wonder when anything like this happens, is do we ever think about how we're housing these animals, you know, the stress that we're putting them through? I mean, all we really have to do is avoid that stress. And it's just already our immune system, their immune system is working better, our immune system is working better. Um, you know, having having a boarding situation where we're not caged like that. I mean, there's all kinds of options to that now these days. More in-home type dog boarding situations. Um, I mean, I know some of those if you want me to mention them. but um, Or having someone stay at the house. Um, so you're just minimizing that kennel exposure yeah. and then and then trying to minimize how much animals share toys, share bowls, um, you know, cleaning. This, this is a virus that's destroyed very easily on, you know, kennel surfaces and counter surfaces. All we have to really do is clean. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, cleaning, not sharing things and reducing stress. And already you possibly have stopped this, you know, potential spread of this problem. So. Well, and um, it really interest a lot of interesting um, connections there. You started off talking about just the why the why this fits well into media, and yeah, and it right. also it also fits well into um, you know unfortunately the the industry and mm-hmm. this is something that uh, would potentially be a, a way to promote vaccination. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's, it's a moneymaker, unfortunately, you know, talking about the, you know, I loved your point about like, well, you know, two dogs in the state have 
you know, tested positive for this particular virus, and yet how many dogs have chronic skin problems, uh, in uh, digestive issues because of processed food? I mean, it's like those are new, you I know. Mean- and there's a big argument, but, you know, vaccines play a part as the, of the, um, in terms of turning certain genes on um, in terms of immune-mediated disease. I mean, we experimentally have induced immune-mediated disease by over-vaccination. So then what do we do? We turn around and get another, you know, now we're going to do a, this is a, the vaccine they're offering for the flu has, has really no not known efficacy at all. Um, it's a conditional license that was just quickly granted mm-hmm. to this company. Um, and again, I, that isn't a situation I would want to use that you know, vaccine, even if I believed in vaccines heavily um, on, on my animal, just because it's like it's too new. Mm-hmm. It's not even really okay in the normal pathways. Um, and you have to definitely do the two if you're going to do it. You need to... You're, you're sort of in it for two, which is fifty dollars each vaccine, hundred dollars for right. just the vaccine part. So, does anyway. it feels to me, and I'm not like a really reactive, paranoid person. I feel like my opinions are, I mean, I'm human, but are informed. It feels to me with this kind of thing, it's like ooh, opportunity to make money. I mean, if we're talking about the drug companies or, you know, those who are profiting from this, it's like, ooh, you know, ooh, a flu. Yeah. Quick vaccine, quick market it, and then, you know, make money off of it. And there's Mm -hmm. two dogs in the state that have it. Mm -hmm. Well, there's that kennel down in Kent that they're, I think they're in the process now of testing the remaining, some remaining dogs dogs. that did come down with respiratory. The symptoms are very much like kennel cough, Mm -hmm. so... Um, they say it's a little wetter. You know, kennel cough is kind of that dry, hacking cough, and they say it's a little wetter. But, I mean, for the average person, I don't know. It would be really hard to tell the difference. And the testing's really involved. Um, but I feel like if people hear a dog cough in a dog park or something, they should take heed of that and say, hey, you know what, let's just everybody go home, stay home for a few days. This, this is a virus that lasts for 24 hours on surfaces and on your hands and things like that. So it's not... Um, it's thus up to two days on, I'm saying, um, not in the animal, but on surfaces. Mm-hmm. So just a few days really at home, and you can kind of see if your dog's going to come down with a respiratory. You know, it's all respiratory, these mm-hmm. symptoms. So, What's the um, incubation? So how long after a dog's exposed? It's like two it? to three days. Okay. Um, in some cases, they are telling people a week. I think that's if mm-hmm. there's been a heavy load of viral you know, like if you if the dog is in a kennel situation, there's going to be a higher load if there's been a, numerous dogs exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think they're waiting to hear back on some of these things. But, you know, just taking some really good precautions. I, I, I do feel like sometimes we're all a little lackadaisical, like we hear a dog cough and we don't even think it could be something contagious. You know? Right, right. So we should probably be a little bit more attentive to those things, you know, sure. just as a preventative measure. But, uh right. Yeah, but not, maybe not go and get vaccinated, but do things like isolate the dog, you know, just right. have them be at home with you type of thing. Yeah. Not same, going to another kennel. Yeah, same stuff that you hear for people as well. Like if you're sick, don't go. You're not doing anybody any favors by pushing yourself to go to work or whatever because, you know, you need the rest, but nobody wants to catch what you've got either, you know. That's it. Yeah, that that would really help if people just kind of paid attention and 
and, and isolated the situation, that would really, really help. Well, what an interesting angle also to look at what you said about really looking at how we generally board our dogs yeah. and these these kennel environments and you you know yeah. this the big stress you know the the high density paired with stress is is a great recipe for dogs getting yeah. sick and I wanted to you know so this sort of brings up we're going to take a break here in a couple minutes but I wanted to talk about okay so there's this information about the canine influenza and it's kind of you know that time of year where stuff's going around anyway. And just in general, what are ways that people can strengthen their dog's immune system? What are the factors to that from your perspective that people can really easily do just preventatively, you know, not just when there's a flu going around, but, you know, I mean, immune function is huge anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, let, talking a little bit about immune system and the factors and, you know, what people can do if they think their dog's maybe been exposed or just wanting to try to prevent it anyway. Maybe the dog goes to dog parks, like you said, or something. So there's a higher risk of being exposed to something like that. So let's yeah, take I, let's take a quick break and then okay. when we come back we'll just pick up where we left off. So we're talking with Dr. Donna Kelleher right now. You can find her online at wholepetvet.com. That's w h o l e petvet.com and you're listening to the Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're a good dog. You're a good dog. You're a good dog. Yes, you are. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to Heaven and Earth Chinese Herbs for You, we cover the world of animals. This week, January 24th, it's Behavior Training and Healing Sunday with me, a rare opportunity to call in and talk to me about your animal friends. Whatever's going on with your animals, I can help you figure it out and coach you through to a resolution. I'll also have details on the new canine flu going around and what, if anything, you need to do about it. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Eric, people ask me to help them with all sorts of doggy challenges. I can only imagine. Oh, yeah. Dogs jumping on guests, new puppy questions, behavioral challenges like fear and aggression, even dog food sensitivities. You name it, and I've probably worked with it. But can you help people even if they don't live in Seattle? Absolutely. I've had great success with phone consultations and have even Skyped with people and their dogs from all over the country. Every dog should be approached as a unique individual. I've talked about this over and over again on the show. That's one of the parts of working with dog training and behavior that I love the most. Every client is different. If you're listening and you need help with your dog, just get in touch. I'd love to get you pointed in the right direction and answer all of your questions. Email me host at dogradioshow.com. That's me, Julie Forbes, host 
at dogradioshow.com. I look forward to connecting. Wait, dogs can use Skype? We're really living in the future. (laughs) Spread the word. Your favorite shows are on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. What a good dog. Yes, you are. What a good dog. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. It's like a dog lullaby. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, this is from an album called... Uh, songs to make dogs happy. Well, so there you go. Yeah, I feel happy when I hear it. <laughs> That's I'm, right. Like, makes my heart feel good. <laughs> if we can get one that says "You're a good person," <laughs> then <laughs> we could oh, listen to that and enjoy yeah. it as much as the dogs. Just zone out. All right, we're back with Dr. Donna Kelleher, who is the author of uh, "The Proof Is in the Poodle," and her website is wholepetvet.com. H W H O L E petvet.com. And we were talking about the canine influenza and we've, you know, been seeing a bit in the media about that. And so kind of talking about some logistics of that and uh, stress. And um, so I wanted to talk with you, Dr. Donna, about the immune system in dogs and what can people do easily to strengthen their dog's immune system. What are some of the most like obvious, powerful ways that, you know, from your perspective, if mm-hmm. you could, you know, just give like, hey, just do this, this, yeah. and this. What do you think? Yep. Um, well, exercise is huge. And mm-hmm. I exercise, one thing I love it when people do, and I don't just mean like a neighborhood walk, but I think dogs really love to get into the woods. And just even if you're on leash, the dog's that are going out in the woods. I mean, walking in the woods for humans has been shown to increase thyroid function, regulate adrenal function, um, you know, balance endocrine hormones. And this is for humans. We don't normally do these studies for dogs. I wish we did. But um, we, the dogs are the same, you know. And what I find is that when the people are more balanced, you know, then the dogs will be more balanced. It's kind of a I guess an obvious thing, but the dog basically will pick up on the emotional and the stress triggers in the household. So if there's been a recent divorce or, you know, all kinds of, you know, all the all the many things that stress people, and there's a lot of them, especially mm-hmm. today. Yeah. But dogs will pick up on that. They'll try to absorb it. They'll try to make everything better. They'll try to get you off the computer, get you out in the woods. You know, they try to they do their communication with us. Um, you know, everybody can communicate so well with their dogs, I think. It's just we don't always have, we don't always, we're not always in a position where we feel like we can listen to them, but they're always trying to get us to reduce our stress so that they can reduce their stress. Mm. Um, but then there's, you know, uh, diet, herbs, um, all kinds of nutritional things. Of course, just even doing a couple of tablespoons of raw greens a day, you know, like um, parsley and kale and carrots, just anything you can grind in a Cuisinart, just a, couple of, just a couple of tablespoons, even for a large dog, has been really shown to do a whole bunch of good things for the immune system. And that seems like it's pretty easy to do. If you don't have time to do it every day, you just grind up some vegetables, put them in a um, little ice cube tray, and then just pop out an ice cube. I like people to mix it with a little bit of pumpkin just to give it a little bit of um, I guess, sort of substance in the ice cube. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you just pour, put it over their food, one ice cube a day, pour a little hot water, and boom, it doesn't take that long. Mm-hmm. Um, on my reci- uh, We have vitamin recipes on my website. People can look under the nutrition section, and there's homemade vitamin recipes there that increase trace minerals, 
um, vitamin Bs and all kinds of different vitamins in the body, and there all the information is there. But um, so my favorite one is the organic spirulina combination. But in light of this flu um, potentially outbreak, again, I have a hard time believing that it's really an outbreak yet. But you know, we'll see. Um, I'm I am telling people about basically. Um, Two, three herbs that are really easy to do with their dogs. So are, are we out of time on this, or do you want me to continue? No, nope, give us the herbs. We're, we're good, okay. Yep. The herbs are lemon balm. Uh, lemon balm is Melissa uh, officinalis, and it's a herb that grows beautifully, easily in our area. If anything, it don't let it go to seed because it takes over the whole garden. But this was Rosemary Gladstar's very favorite um, herpes herb. It was a very anti-herpes um, and it's, it's in a mint family. It tastes good. Lemon balm tea is so easy to make, and dogs um, do really well with it. A large dog can have a half a cup a day of a, le- of a really strong lemon balm tea. And, and right there, you're anti- it's a great antiviral. Um, so it would be a great thing to do over the next month or so. Um, my second herb that I like a lot is astragalus. It is a Chinese herb, um, but we do grow a lot of it in America now, and you can pick it up in capsule form, and I just use a dose of 100 milligrams per 20 pounds of body weight per day, and that works really well, too. Um, let's see. And then the third thing I love to do, and this is if I'm really worried, I guess, because this increases um, mucosal antibody in general or mucosal secretions, and um, sort of gets the immune system to um, sort of attenuate anything that's going on in the mucosal surface. And that's ginger tea, fresh ginger tea. Mm. You can give too much, and then the dog has a little gastritis. So just a a few teaspoons of fresh ginger with some hot water, again, poured over the food. And there's no side effects um, in general. These are very safe herbs. There There really is no side effects to them. So... They're all things that you can do that I think would help um, most dogs uh, if they are going to be in a challenging situation. Again, it would be better if they weren't, but if they are, at least you can take some precautions. Mm. So. Um, I love that your first answer to this was exercise, specifically walking in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I imagine that, or it's my understanding, that exercise sort of physiologically strictly physiologically chemically does 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 the body good right in circulation circulation circulate yeah 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 but also the emotional component and i remember um thinking to myself so many times over and over again when i would be fortunate enough to be out in the woods with my dogs off leash especially mm-hmm. of course legally but uh and and just like oh there's just something that feels right about mm-hmm. this like it's so like deeply fulfilling i it just so i can appreciate how powerful it is you know and you mentioned very clearly you know, dogs would have sources of their own stress, and then they also get all of our stress. So if yeah. you, you know, take yeah. care of your dog and take care of yourself, that's really the the way to take care of your dog. Take care of yourself and your dog. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of times it's. I think it's kind of counterproductive because, and and this is probably something I'm guilty of as much as anyone. But it's like, okay, okay, she said ginger and astragalus. I write it all down, and okay, now I've got to run and get it. You know, I always think, uh oh, wait a minute, that's stressful. Like, we just <laughs> hey, when you go to the store anyway, you know. <laughs> yeah. Especially in Seattle, just driving around, you know, yeah. getting anywhere. So, yeah, just trying to fit uh, everything within the just what you would normally do. I mean, I wouldn't take that many, you know, emergency. I wouldn't take any emergency precautions at this point for the flu. I would I would just, okay, I'm going to be going to the store in the next couple of days. I'll just, I'll just jot it down and pick it up when I'm there, you know, yeah. so nobody stress about, stresses about getting the medicine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't work against yourself there. Um, When you talk about astragalus capsules, is there something in general with herbs um, when you're getting something in capsule form? Is there something to look uh, like about the the labeling if it says... I know some of them say, like, standardized versus not standardized. Like, are there... Yeah, well, astragalus doesn't standardize, so it's, like, an easy thing to talk about um, in terms of recommendations. But, um, in in other words, the companies don't make don't don't make it a point to standardize because astragalus has so many um, components in it that are active ingredients that you can't just sort of more or less pick a few mm-hmm. but in general I'm not a big person for standardization um, for herbs because I like herbs in their whole form yeah um, another way to do astragalus is just to get the organic um, the org- you know I try to look for organic yeah and um, and if possible us grown, and, you know, they look like big tongue depressors, and you can pick them up, I think, just at any herbal store. You know, you have to ask about sourcing and stuff. But you can also cook them into food. You know, it's like a congee, which you're using you're using the whole herb then. You're not using any particular constituent. But um, in, there are some exceptions to that, like um, milk thistle. The psilocybin in milk thistle, um, when you have, I mean... That is the number one treatment for death cat poisoning, which is a mushroom toxicity. Mm-hmm. Um, and the treatment is actually the active ingredient in milk thistle injected um, as quickly as possible after ingestion, as you only have about 48 hours mm-hmm. um, before the liver starts to fulminate, which is a really bad situation. Um, it's, it's a very toxic, bad mushroom. Um, but anyway, milk thistle is... So when so that is something that is good to standardize and it's good to have the active ingredient too. But in general, herbs I like them in their whole form. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, in my work with people and their dogs, I work with behavior and training. So people come to me with questions about their dog's behavior. Oftentimes, sometimes I get the you know, people who just have a new puppy and they want to make sure they're going in the right direction. They know how to communicate clearly and all that kind of stuff. But other times I get people with dogs of all ages who are having some sort of issue with aggression, anxiety, stuff like that. And I'm always in my work, always scanning for, uh, you know, all, all of the possible factors that contribute to an animal. So there's there's how they're being interacted with. How might the owner be reinforcing the behavior directly? You know, some obvious things like that. But then mm-hmm. also asking them, you know, well, what are you feeding your dog? Are you using chemical flea medication? Are you, you know, is the dog in pain? Is, you know, stuff like that that I'll, you know, work with a veterinarian about or just, you know, what is, the, you know, how's the dog's thyroid? All that kind of stuff. So I wonder yeah. 
for you, people come to you with questions or challenges about their pet's health. And I imagine that you probably are scanning for their uh, emotional, you know, that's on your radar, their stress level, their emotional well-being. You know, you mentioned, you know, the family going through a divorce or some, you know, some sort of event like that can definitely cause, um, you know, grief. I've seen, I've seen certainly dogs grieving. Um, so have you encountered physical symptoms that you believe were really primarily rooted in an emotional imbalance? Well, I think a lot of conditions are affected by emotions. Um, the ones that come to mind are the ones that generally involve the liver. And in Chinese medicine, the liver is kind of your organ of anger, frustration. And, you know, these emotions are something that animals feel too so each actually each organ system has its own set of emotions that are attached to it and then of course in Chinese medicine it's not like something is psychological and then something's physical it's actually kind of all in of the same so I probably do a lot of unconscious connections like yeah. that but um yeah, I mean, if a dog, there's so many dogs that they seizure when they, you know, when they get stressed by something. I mean, I, it's an amazing thing that, you know, the liver is very sensitive to um, emotions of the environment and also, you know, so the people's emotions and also, um, you know, if the, if the dog's feeling all kinds of just anger because there's another dog there and he's getting all the attention or he tries to attack me and I just sit in the corner and then when I try to move he tries to and then I have a seizure yeah definitely there it's it's absolutely there it affects health yeah the emotional health affects affects the affects the physical health Mm. how have you witnessed um grief impact have you witnessed that uh specifically yeah and you know we talk I know it's a dog show but god cats grieve like cats really grieve Dogs don't talk about cats. Little... No, 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 don't talk about cats. <laughs> All the dog people revolt. <laughs> no, I'm just no, kidding. <laughs> no, dogs do too. And, um, yeah, the grief is, um, it's interesting. I mean, I've known dogs, I mean, my own dogs, will just if one dog passes away and the other one is, misses him, they'll yeah. just stop eating. Mm-hmm. They'll sometimes hide for a few days. They'll shake, you know. They'll sometimes they'll do crazy stuff. They'll go to the bathtub and just stay there. Yeah. It's like, where is he? He's in the bathtub because he's sulking. I mean, I've seen all kinds of stuff over the years, and there's some there's some things you can do holistically for that. And um, I think the more people can work with their own grief, I think that helps yeah. the dog. Just kind of, you know. Um, I know one of my dogs. Just every time he saw a white poodle when Samson passed away, Smudge would just like. There's a white poodle. Let's run and run. You know, so you'd be like, no, it's not the same white poodle. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so, no, it's okay. You know, yeah. so I would do a lot of visualization of the other dog and, you know, maybe even bring the other dog into our space as a spiritual um, entity and just talk. And so we can have a dialogue, all of us, you know, and I don't know if that sounds completely crazy, but that's just me. I believe <laughs> the spirit world isn't too far away. Yeah. So, um, Anyway, yeah, I think there's a lot we can do. And there's there's a homeopathic that's specific for grief 
Um, and it's always when I say it, I probably possibly say it wrong, and so someone can correct me, maybe on Facebook or something. But it's echinacea, so it's not echinacea; it's echinacea. So it's um, I G N A T I A, I believe. Uh-huh. It's a homeopathic that's specific for grief, and I have used it a lot over the years, and I think it helps. You know, it's always hard to say how long this will last. I mean, some dogs grieve for a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, they grieve longer than the people. So it's just, um, like I say, the more the people can move on from it and just kind of, you're never really moving on whenever you lose an animal. You know, you're always just going into a new chapter. That's how I like to look at it. Yeah. And just moving forward, though, you know, so that it's not, so we're, so we try to do that within our own bodies, really embodying that. And that's where spirituality and meditation and whatever you believe system comes into play it really helps but having some kind of a handle on that is very helpful for grief for grief for animals i think brings us back to the importance of taking care of yourself as one of the best ways to take care of your pet (laughs) because they're impacted by us it's sort of one of those things where it's easy to talk about but i know there's been all kinds of times where i'm out at midnight you know making up the animal food or whatever (laughs) oh i'm supposed to sleep i know uh, well, it's funny. I was, uh, of course, kidding about the whole cats thing because in my <laughs> notes, <laughs> um, in my notes, I as I was writing down, you know, um, human emotional stress versus the you know the dog's emotional stress, their own stress, and then also the stress that they take on from people, mm-hmm. and then grief question mark, and then I have cats question mark like what because I oh you already thought of it wow I had. Well, I had, so I was just kidding about, don't talk about cats, you know, this is the dog show. But I was curious because I don't know cats the way that I know dogs. I don't, I've lived with cats before, they, but they weren't ever mine and it was sort of shorter, shorter stints of time. And I'm always happy to see cats when I'm at a client's house and a cat comes over to say hi and, or they're interested in <laughs> well, what I'm doing nice with the dog. dog people, if it's a dog cat, I'm like, oh yeah. good, it's a dog cat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but what is the, uh, what are their, um, you, you mentioned, um that cats you know, like i think it was in grief that you know oh cats really grieve what is yeah well you know more more people i mean i think it's 80 million people own cats i could be wrong about that but um so there there's more people though in america that own cats than that own dogs so cats are really a part of our lives they're that they're that you know little creature that's kind of always watching us and i think that i think that just kind of the connection between people and their cats, and I'm not just talking about now. Of course, I'm talking over over really over thousands of years as they've domesticated to us. Um, they they're close to us. I think I almost feel like you know they know us better than we know ourselves. Sometimes yeah. the cats are very um, they're amazing because they can they pick up on our emotions and they and they feel them and they know they know them, but they don't always embody them like a dog will and and in, to me that means that a cat a cat can always has that little bit of hey you know what i've got to work on my own they protect their core and that's that whole mm. nine lives thing you know they can so so a cat is, and it's really true what what will what will really a, a, an event that will kill a dog is just nothing for a cat they'll bounce back from it and vets know this it's kind of amazing mm. like yeah that's a, yeah that's a pretty bad poison he got into good thing you brought him in well you know i think one of his lives might be used up okay we've got eight more you know yeah <laughs> yeah but in terms of the emotions 
Yeah, they. I feel like they're very, very connected to people's emotions. Um, and, you know, cat people, they don't like to talk about it because they're cat people. But <laughs> in general, um, they. I think they're that there's, I see a lot of tightness between people and their cats and, you know, and they'll share a lot of the same, you know, if, if the person's neck will go out in one direction at a certain vertebrae, the cat will sometimes, you know, I see those medical similarities sometimes. So it's, it's, I mean, we see it in dogs too, but uh, cats really, cats are very part of, they're very, it's like, it's like something that people don't always really notice, like consciously, they're kind of unconscious, you know, they're there in an unconscious state, people, people like, yeah, I just know it doesn't feel right when I don't have a cat around. Yeah. Um, One of the things as we're talking about sort of emotional health and its connection or oneness with physical health and, uh, you know, the whole mind, body, spirit connection I see, I would say one of the, one of the most common things that I get called about behaviorally, mm-hmm. and it's like, feels like it's getting more and more and more and more and more, is anxiety. Yes. Anxiety. Anxiety, 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 anxiety. and food allergies. Anxi- when I think of anxiety, all I can think of, honestly, is food allergies. Mm. That's just because I see it so much. Um, and I didn't used to see it, like, 20 years ago. Not I, we, we had anxious dogs, but it feels like m- way more now. So is that, so it sounds like uh, you're, you have noticed a connection between food allergies yeah. and anxiety. Yeah, I, I have noticed it, and I've also, you know, done posts on my blog about it because um, I... And it's not always as straightforward. Like a lot of people know now, okay, I'm not going to give them grains. But it, but what happens a lot of times I see is the immune system kind of morphs into whatever they actually are feeding and sort of says, I'm going to react to that. But they do. They have all kinds of chemicals that are released in the brain, and um, they make the body tense. They they change. And when you when you fix those allergies in whatever way you do it, whether it's just raw diets or dehydrated diets, um, they they can um, they can completely shift and become calm. It's crazy, mm-hmm. and maybe you've seen that too. I've seen it. I remember this one dog. Um, she was a ter- a wire fox terrier. She was about seven years old and was acting aggressive and you know biting. And um, mm-hmm. I, we did our initial session. It was like okay, well we're gonna we're gonna do some work. Um, you know, in the realm of training and working with the owner and the dog and all that kind of stuff. But that was going to be a couple weeks before that started. In the meantime, I had the dog. I remember she was eating Purina Beneful and I had her switch over to natural pet pantry raw. And before we started our training, she had, she had switched the dog, you know, pretty much immediately over. And so in those two weeks, she noticed the aggression didn't go away, but it decreased significantly just by switching the food. Yeah. Isn't that something, yeah. really? Um, yeah, I've been amazed at, um, at, at just the relationship there, you know, something that I never, ever thought they would be related, but I just, it's so often that they are, and you just mm-hmm. fix one, and the other one gets better, too. It's, it's really nice. Yeah. I've noticed, I think I've talked about this with you before, um, but I, a while ago, was like, what is with this thing with where these dogs, I was seeing these dogs, like, sort of over the years, 
one here, one there. And I was like, what is going on? Finally, I, I dug in a little bit and did some research on flea, chemical flea medications. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know how are they working? What are they doing that is causing, it seems, uh, some dogs to to have a sort of agitated or anxious or phobic behaviors develop at the start of or at the switching of these chemical flea medications and I, the one that I researched was fipronil, uh, which is the uh, active ingredient in Frontline, and it causes... Hyper- yeah, um, let's see, I just had to change phones. I hope you can hear me okay. Can yep. you hear me okay? You're good. Me? Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, the the flea medications um, causing behavioral issues and um, other medical issues, it's, it's going to get more and more because what's happening is the fleas, are getting resistant to the old, you know, we used to just use the Advantage or the Frontline, and, you know, just gradually things, the fleas have gotten more resistant to that. So then we've had to come out and bring out more chemicals, more chemicals, more chemicals. We haven't had to. It's just what the industry has promoted. Um, of course, on my website, I have a whole flea section and natural ways to deal with fleas, which I think in the end, the person's going to be, it's, it takes a lot of work up front, but then you're, you don't have to worry about the resistance, you know. But, yeah, yeah they dogs can get um, all kinds of problems after flea medications. Um, I mean, I've seen them go completely paralyzed from them, um, where it took several weeks of all kinds of therapy to get them back on their feet. I just, it's unbelievable. And a lot of these things, you know, it's hard to really report it because it's like you report it and it's like, well, are, are people really, is the AVMA really making care do they really care about it i mean it's a question I, I really just i haven't seen them really i mean of course it's not in their favor to to care about it so it, it's a problem it's and i feel like that that is going to get worse and worse and mm. it's going to contribute to behavioral issues because in chinese medicine well no just in terms of what what is a flea medicine when you say a flea chemical it is something that's a neurotoxin and a hepatotoxin so it's going to affect the liver, um, even if it's just on a micro level. And that's, that is, again, going to feed into that anger, um, agitation, frustration, those emotions. And um, so those are, that is really what we're going to see, I think, more of as, as people turn to more and more toxic chemicals for fleet control. I thought it was fascinating because I was, uh, I looked into, I don't even know how I found this, um, but I found some studies because I was like, Okay, they say, oh, no, but it's, you know, it's fine for the dog. Just it kills any insect on the dog. It's it's just dose dependent. So if a, so it's all dose dependent. So actually, if you increase the dose enough, it would pretty much do the same thing to the dog that it's doing to the insect. But because the insect's so much smaller, mm. in general, the dose is so low that even though you're bringing those neurotoxins and, and hepatotoxins into the body, um, it, it's not enough to, you know, kill the animal. Yeah. <laughs> but like I say, in some cases when they are very prone to, to having toxicities, then then it, it actually can, So, yeah. or at least they can get nasty side effects um, So for a while until the person, hopefully the person takes precautions or con- contacts their local holistic vet, you know. Um, I know when it, well, when it says on the label, like, don't touch, you know, wash your hands, 
Yeah. Well, may don't cause... let kids anywhere near it. Don't let kids within 50 feet of it. Huh? Well, I'm going to put it on my dog. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. Yeah, I know. It's like, I don't know. Um, well, I've yeah. noticed a, a link to just in piecing together timing of, you know, I had this one dog in West Seattle that lived above the uh, sort of up the hill from the ferry. And they oh, had yeah. lived there for years. And all of a sudden he started developing this phobic behavior to the horn that the ferry, wow, you know, sets. that is unlucky living there, isn't I know, it? right? Well, and then, of course, it starts generalizing to other noises that go off. Yeah. And, you know, we wow. kind of like, I was like, well, this, you know, the, the house alarm gone off because I can really do a number on dogs or, the, you know, fire alarm or no, 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 nothing like that. Mm. And then it was yeah. the same month that they had switched the dog to, in this case, Trifexis. Yeah, which is my least favorite. I know. Trifexis, Comfortis, they're, they're getting more toxic. Yeah. And it, it was mm. like, oh, you know, and this is not the first time that we've, you know, dug in digging into trying to figure out, well, what changed? What has changed in the dog for all of a sudden? Things don't just start all of a sudden for no reason. There's got to be yeah. something, you know. Yeah, there could be a definite relationship. Any, and that's when you, when you say neurotoxin, a lot of times people don't really understand. What, well, what is that? I mean, I mean, it's one thing to have like a leg not working. I mean, <laughs> right. But neurotoxin affects any aspect of the nervous system, and that can include, you know, sensory input, um, which is what you're describing here. Mm. Yeah. So I don't think it, it's limited to, you know. I mean, I was talking about a dog who's completely paralyzed, and obviously that's a severe situation. Yeah. That was from Frontline. But, yeah, yeah and there's been numerous cases of potential toxicity. With, and, in fact, if anyone in the audience has a dog that has had problems, known problems from Trifexis, I'd like to know because right now the AVMA is fighting back on that. They're basically saying people are just making it up, even yeah. though I believe there's a class action lawsuit and supposedly 700 dogs have died from Trifexis. I, w I have not actually talked to any of these people, or and I would love to, because I just don't think it's fair that the AVMA can sort of say that there's a whole bunch of people that are lying. Well, why would the people go to that effort, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I just, anyway, I've seen a lot of problems from it, like you're describing, but to actually, you know, have deaths from it. I, I haven't personally seen that. I don't know. Have you, Julie? Uh, no, not personally. Okay, I would, I would, yeah, I want to talk to those people and write about that. So We personally had a dog almost, almost die. She was never the same afterwards, but um, she almost died from a rabies vaccine, but not, uh, yeah. not the trifexis. I mean, that's a described, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, that. Well, that's what we're trying to change. You know, I know you've had Gene Dodds on, and mm -hmm. um, and I think they're in their seventh or eighth year of that of that nine year study. So, mm -hmm. in the next year or two, I'm I'm hoping there's some big changes on the rabies rec uh, vaccine re recommendation. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, I want to talk to you about your website and what you have to offer people through your website as far as resources for them and their pets. We're talking with Dr. Donna Kelleher. Her website is wholepetvet.com, W-H-O-L-E, petvet.com. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. My little dog, would you like to go outside and play with me? Twiddle-dee-dee. -dee. 
Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice, jetcityanimalclinic.com. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. Stay informed with news, traffic, and weather at the top of the hour, weekdays on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Is that from the same album or... Same collection, Eric? <laughs> no, no. This is uh, Heidi Weinzinger and uh, from her album Snow Day. Mm. But uh, it's called My Best Friend. It's all about her dog. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us can relate to that. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm digging these feel-good dog songs. <laughs> I just want to sit with my dogs and listen to them. Go for a walk in the woods. <laughs> uh, back talking with Dr. Donna Kelleher. Now, you have a website. It's not a necessarily a new site, but it's structured differently now, and it's wholepetvet.com, W-H-O-L-E, petvet.com. And you have yeah. a new membership that you're offering. So yeah. tell us about that. Okay. Well, um, you know, I have these amazing people that are helping me with the website and the web membership, and and I have to say they're doing it really out of the kindness of their heart because they believe in not only my message but also um, holistic veterinary medicine. And so I have, I have never paid them. They're doing it because <laughs> they are basically dog activists, and mm-hmm. I know you know what that's like. Yeah. Um, it's, it's amazing. And so I just wanted to thank them for that. Um, they know who they are. I don't know if I should say their names. Um, I've got to ask their permission. But <laughs> at any rate, um, yeah, we're doing this web membership. Basically, well, you know, it's, we're trying to structure the website to be better and better for preventative care. So what because what, what happened was and what has been happening for all of us holistic vets that are out there is we're really busy. Um, many times it takes weeks or even months to get into one of us. Um, and you know, it's not always the case, um, but for the most part, it's like, yeah, we can't really get someone right in. And not only, so, so for triage care, a lot of people, like, they call us or whatever when there's an actual major problem, whereas 
for the most part, if the people knew just a few things, um, you know, it would really, really help prevent disease in their animal. Like, it could really extend their animal's lives and make it so they wouldn't have to use pharmaceuticals. But a lot of things happen, and it's sort of like if the awareness is there, then it doesn't have to happen. So when I, I got a little kind of like, I think there might be more we could do here. Mm-hmm. So I was, so what I did was, what we have done, I should say, is... Um, put more and more information on the website for free. Mm-hmm. Um, so if people, we have a nutrition section, a flea section. We were just talking about flea control, and I have awesome section there. And we don't, well, the thing is, we don't, pro- we don't promote, we're not trying to sell anything. We are never trying to sell right. anything. Even on our web membership, we're not trying to sell anything. So, um, on the, so on the regular website, we're adding more free information. And then on the, if people want to become really um, more and more, I sort of say, engaged with our, with, uh, with our message, <laughs> um, learn more about even more diets and more about um, sort of a, a higher level, I guess, of, of knowledge. But it does take a little bit of time on your part because it, it means that, um, you know, you have to click on, you have to decide what you're going to talk about. We have an online forum that basically... Um, is an interactive forum. So uh, we're very engaged with people who sign up, and we, we call them PAC members. So it's a small fee. I think um, it comes to $16 a month if they do the annual fee, mm-hmm. and that's to cover our basic, because I wasn't sure how many members we'd have. If I was guaranteed to have a bunch, I'd make it a lot cheaper, and maybe one day that will happen. But for right now, it's um, it's kind of, uh, a, a one-time sort of annual fee, and then we do have three months and one-month membership options. Mm-hmm. And people can get on and learn um, what are the holistic ways, like we just posted about um, cranial cruciate ruptures. Um, you know, most people just prompt right off to the surgeon and give them $5,000, and, and maybe that's the right thing to do in some cases. Um, but we wanted people to have a very detailed approach to that particular syndrome because we help a lot of animals with cruciate ruptures without surgery. And it's just, um, there's a, there's sort of a protocol that we kind of follow and we use a lot of, we're using prolotherapy now and diet and herbs and acupuncture. And it's just, it's phenomenal what it can do. I mean, in one or two prolotherapy sessions, those dogs can be normal and stay normal their whole lives without surgery. So when you see this enough, these kinds of results enough, you know, it makes you, it sort of, puts a fire uh, at least for up to me and says okay we gotta we gotta educate more and do more so it's it's kind of a it, it, i guess it's a new thing i've never heard of any holder holistic vet offering quite what we're doing so, yeah so people um, can go to your website it's yeah. it's again wholepetvet.com i have a link to it on our website which is dogradioshow.com and uh become a member and essentially participate in yeah. Uh, a conversation, an ongoing conversation. Uh, they can submit topic suggestions uh, and feedback directly to you. There's a newsletter, community forum. Um, it's a and we have a lot of sample videos. So a lot of it is video education cool. too. And we have those some of those sample videos, like we did. We just talked about anxiety and yeah. and food allergies, and we have a sample video that people can watch on the website, yeah. as well as how to brush your dog's teeth. Yeah. Very important in holistic medicine to do that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I know. So, uh, well, time flies, and it's uh, the 360th episode today. How fun is that? Full circle, right? That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank That's you. Great. 
uh, always a pleasure to have you on the show and to learn from you and chat with you and all that good stuff. Uh, Dr. Kelleher's website, again, is wholepetvet.com, W-H-O-L-E, petvet.com. Check it out. Check out the memberships. And I'll look forward to having you back sometime this spring. We can talk more in depth about fleas. My favorite subject. <laughs> yeah, right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You've been listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, Wednesday afternoons at 2 on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Never miss another episode. Listen to our podcast online at dogradioshow.com or download them for free on iTunes or SoundCloud.